I'm, I'm excited about sharing this message, and, and, and I'm, I'm excited about having you online and, and watching us as well, because specifically, I have been praying for our, our online ministry and, and our live streaming and everything that we were able to do. And, and in my prayers, God literally showed me that, that somehow, some way, that live streaming was not only going across this city and going across this state and going across this country, but going across the oceans. And, 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 and I saw people in basements of homes hunkered down and somehow they're, they're controlling whatever device they have, and they were able to pick up CFA. And, and, and I know that, that the craziness of it, but, but the Lord just spoke in my heart. This is this ministry. So would you be praying for the media ministry? This ministry is going to be much more than what we have ever dreamt it to be. We're not only a local global church. God wants to be touching people's lives. And, 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 and I had this, I have this great visionary mind and, and, and I seen, I, I seen that how these, the airways of everything moving with all the internet stuff and going on. And, and, and I kind of saw God go and he blew that current right across that place where that individual needed to hear that message. And I go, we're part of something big, church. We are. So thank you for being online, you who are local, and you who are around the world. We are praying for you. We believe God has something great for you, as well he has for here. I have never preached out of Joshua, the fifth chapter. And, and the reason is, is because the one word that just comes up in it, circumcision. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I'm going to preach on this whole chapter here in the next couple of weeks. But, but I'm telling you something. The revelation knowledge of what God is able to give to us. So, Heavenly Father, you're preparing us for victory. In, in understanding what, what you are doing in the world around us, it seems like there truly is warfare, spiritual warfare. Because we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we're fighting against powers and principalities that much more. So I pray that our minds would be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would speak in the congregation here sitting before me. And those who are watching online in their homes here in Phoenix, and all those who are watching wherever they may be around the world. Because God wants to bring victory, and he's going to be preparing us for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here it is. Picture this. The nation of Israel arrives safely on the other side of that Jordan River. In crossing at this river, it was just a tremendous miracle that took place. It was dividing of, of the waters. And, and, and they came across this river. In fact, listen to this out of Joshua 5, 1. And it's not going to be up there because I added it late. So, so let me read this to you. And now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Camerite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites, um, um, before the Israelites until they had crossed over. Their hearts melted in fear, and they no longer had the courage 
to face the Israelites. Their hearts melted in fear. I remember when I was in high school playing football, we were playing against this undefeated team. And they won the, the state championship the year before. So we knew this was going to be a tough battle. And, and it was. And, and, but the thing is, is the pregame warm-up, everybody's out there and they're warming up. And I looked at these guys and I thought, they're not that big. They're big as we are. And I'm not that big. Until I realized I had my shoulder pads on and they didn't. <laughs> and, and then my heart melted in fear. <laughs> I got to tell you, I had a great victory in that game. I ran 90 yards for a touchdown in, in part of that game. And we got six points. We didn't even get the extra point. So the score at the end of the game was like something 47 to 6. So that's okay. We, but, but, but it was, I can understand how you look at that and they seen and heard what was God was doing to the Israelite army. Now here's the, they were... The Canaanites were already afraid, and now their fear was, well, demoralizing them. You, you would have expected that the, that the Israelites, you know, Joshua would mobilize his army right now because he had these people that were feared. Their hearts melted in fear, trembling. Don't come our way. And then the, the enthusiasm of the army, of, of what was God about to do, because he gave him this great miracle. In all human standpoint, this was the time to attack. <laughs> but you know what? Is, is try to tell God your plans, and you're going to get a good laugh, because, he's, because his ways are so far higher than ours. The nation crossed the river on the 10th day, of the first month in Joshua 4, 19 tells us. The events described in Joshua 5 took about, I would say, 10 days, somewhere around there, they said. And then they go to Jericho, then they have this whole seven-day parade that they're going to be doing around the walls. So before, before God ever gave them this great victory there at Jericho, there was somewhere around 17 plus days that was happening. But more so, God wanted to prepare the Israelites for what was about to come. Because you see, he didn't want them to think, wow, look what we could do. Look what Joshua has done. And God wanted to remind him is that look what I have done, what he was able to do. So I'm going to talk about this week and next week about three steps in preparation and dealing with that is necessary for God to give his people victory over the nation in Canaan. Now, here's the thing. The first step is renewing the Lord's covenant in Joshua, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 9. See, after a temporary crossing of the Jordan River, the nation had to uh, pause at Gilgal for the men to submit to a very painful procedure. Now, why would God command this ritual to take place at this time? 
Well, first of all, it was to restore their covenant relationship in which they had with God. This was about a covenant relationship. I have a very dear friend, Rob Price. He teaches at, at Southwestern um, and, and in the media area. And, and he's just a great guy. He wrote a book to, and with another guy called The Blood Covenant. It is, look it online, Rob Price, The Blood Covenant, just a marvelous book. But there's a covenant relationship that God wanted to reestablish with the Israelites. Verse 2, chapter 5 of Joshua. At the time the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made the flint knives and circumcised the Israelites. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men in military age, died in the wilderness on the way uh, after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey were um, from Egypt had not. Get the picture now. Those who came out of Egypt going into the wilderness, they were circumcised, but they died. Those who were born in the wilderness was not circumcised, and they were alive. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness 40 years until all the men who were military age, when they left Egypt, had died since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land he had solely promised their ancestors to give us. The land flown with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place, and those were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. Here, here's the thing that God was raising up this new army. When I was, when, when I was a presbyter here in, in this, this section here, one of the things that I love to do is that we would interview the, the up-and-coming uh, ministers that, that were getting their credentials. And they had this, you know, it probably was, I remember that when it happened to me. I had to sit before, you know, 10, 12, 15, felt like 2,000 guys, but there was a sit before them, and nothing was off limits. They could talk to me and ask me any question they wanted, biblical about my life, about my finances, about my marriage, about anything was on the table. But one of the things that I was always so impressed them, and I still am to this day, God is rising up young men and women to be this, this massive army to do something that is just supernatural. And I am so impressed with them because what I see in their lives is that potential, that the skills that they have. I mean, they have so many skills because all that was before them as they were growing up as children and, and becoming a young adults and adults. And they took advantage of it and they bring those talents and those gifts into the ministry. God was now having this new army rise up. Israel is a covenant nation. 
And God, it was a privilege for them to realize that there was a covenant relationship that they had with God. God gave his covenant to Abraham when he called him out of Ur of the Chaldees in, in Genesis, the 12th chapter. And he sealed that covenant with his sacrifice again. You read about that in Genesis, the, fifth cha- the 15th chapter. He gave, he gave circumcision as a sign of a covenant to Abraham and his descendants. Now, I want you to know that this was not just something only for the Israelites. The other nations were doing that as well. But it was not for a covenant relationship in which God had for them. God wanted to remind them, and they and reminding these men is that he, well, it was, they became a marked people. This meant that they were under obligation to obey him. The mark of that covenant reminded them that their bodies did not belong to themselves, but belonged unto the Lord and that they had to walk in the light of that word. Israel was surrounded by nations that worshipped idols, including the worship of rituals that were very ungodly. And that Mark covenant saying, stay away. I want you to have a holy life. I want you to be a separate people, a holy nation. And they were, well to maintain that purity in their marriages, in their society around them, in their worship unto God. So the Jews had not practiced this, though, for 40 years in the wilderness. 38 years before that, in um, in Kiddush Barnea, they had refused to believe God about going into that promised land. 40 years, 40 years. Some of you are not even 40 years old. I have socks 40 years old, so I'm saying, I don't. My wife said, oh, Tom, don't say that stuff. But, but listen, it's, it's the idea is 40 years is a long time. And it could have only taken them 11 days if they were obedient. Because of that disobedience, are we there yet, was repeated 40 years. This new generation, though, God knew that, well, as they are entered into that inheritance, that promised land. But it was so vitally important that they would renew that covenant relationship with them. Now, <laughs> this, my mind fills with things in this because I'm thinking of this whole procedure, and, and, and yet I'm thinking, you know what, though? You women, I'm okay with that because I don't, never want to be you because you have babies, and, and you are wired so different. That as years go by, there are so many things that could go wrong. Older I get, the happier I am to be a man. 
But maybe not at that moment there with Joshua. But believe me, is that that was a much better route for them than being what these women had to do. Especially giving birth to children in the desert. I wonder how many women died, how many children died in that process and all that happening. But this is exactly what the future generation had in store for them. And God did not want them to forget the meaning of that surgical um, procedure, having a covenant relationship with God. But here's something I want you to understand. This physical operation of the body was meant to be a symbol of the spiritual operation of the heart. No amount of external surgery could change the inner person. It's, it's what goes on inside here. We, we could wear all the beautiful crosses we want. We, 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 could, we could have shirts that, that and T-shirts, you know, love God, love people, share Jesus. A shirt is here. Those are wonderful shirts. Some of you are brave enough that you put scriptures tattooed on your body. You know, that's, wow. But that, that's all external. That, that, that is nice for you, but it's meaningless if there is not a change internally. And that is what God was talking about. He, he understood this, this, this God-covenant relationship that he wanted them to have. Moses warned them about this sin, that, that they, would, they would be disobedient in Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, in the prophets in Jeremiah, the 4th chapter. And John the Baptist called for people to repent in the Jewish spiritual leaders. Here's what they said. When John the Baptist was talking to them about to repent, they said, we have Abraham as our father. They were talking about, well, look at us. We have Abraham. We're chosen people. No, you are lucky. Because he decided, I'm going to have the Israelites. Personally, I thought of thought he should have chosen the Hungarians, you know. But the truth of the matter is, it was nothing about how wonderful the Israelites is, is that who God wanted to use and have a covenant relationship that he would bring the Messiah through that lineage to bring that salvation and redemption to a man, to all mankind. So that covenant relationship was very important. See, the second thing in renewing that God's covenant, it was to test their faith in Joshua 5, 8 says. And so it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they had stayed in their place in the camp till they were healed. Israel was an enemy territory. And what what God wanted them to do is that his, he disabled every male in that nation, including every soldier in that army. This had to be, if word were to God out, those in Jericho could have walked right through that camp and defeated them. But they had to be obedient. 
in, in that obedience is that in God's way, because in their weakness, they were made strong. I love that because times God will choose us at the, at the moments where we think, not today, Lord. Not for what I'm going through. Not what you're asking of me. Not in the circumstances in which I am living in. He says, that's the exact time in which I want to use you. And if you would walk in obedience, you're going to see what I can do in your life. Because you're going to know it's not of you. It's of me. So wrap your mind around this. So when you're having a day that you're saying, poor me, nobody loves me, I'm going to eat some worms, you know, and, and, and is that there is that craziness that we think that we are not in a place that I can feel that I am of any use to anyone else. In fact, I'm no use to myself. And God says, trust me. Because it's in your weakness, you're going to see the strength of my hand moving in your life. And he tells us this in Hebrews 6, chapter, verse 12. So shortly after Israel departed from Egypt, God tested them at Meribah, and they failed the test. They didn't go into the promised land when they left Egypt. But then... After those 40 years, Israel entered the promised land, and now God says, I'm going to test you. And they passed that test. You see, people of faith, people of faith obey God. Now, I find it interesting that after a great experience, after they crossed the Jordan River, phew, Wow, can you? I'm, I'm always I'm often thinking is is that there is what, several million, two and a half million people, horses, animals, donkeys, whatever, dogs, cats, whatever they're dragging along with them, and and, and they're and they're walking through this Jordan River, and and it was at flood stage, and and the water is backing up. I wonder how far backed up. And the ground had to be dry because what they were taking across. And I'm, I'm wondering as, as they're walking across is that these kids had their hand in the water, you know, on the sides of the walls just playing in, in, in the magnificent things that was going on because Pastor James spoke about these rocks that they built up and, and the, as a, a monument of, of what God was able to do and celebrating that and even in the middle of it and thinking no one's going to see it. But it was done. And now they had this great victory. And after that great victory, God puts them to test. See, Abraham arrived in the land of promise and was confronted with famine in Genesis, the 12th chapter. Elijah triumphed over Baal. Remember that story. And was threatened with his life by one individual. And he ran. 
And after his baptism, Jesus in the Jordan, the Spirit led Jesus in the wilderness where he was going to be tempted three particular times. So here's the thing. Since great victories can lead to great pride, God allows us to be tested in order to remind us to depend upon him. So when you think everything's great, God has just blessed us. Your stimulus check has come in, you know. Can I, can I tell you something about that? You parents with that stimulus check. Here's what, what I would encourage you to do. Put money aside to send your can, kids to camp. I know that stimulus check is there to be able to stimulate your finances and to help you. Let's stimulate our children in the work of the kingdom. And take some of that money and set it aside and use it to send your kids to camp so that God can bless them. Just saying. The Scottish preacher, Andrew Barnor, used to say, let us be as watchful after the victory as before the battle. Because we want to give God the glory we don't want to get caught up in ourselves. and I mean, it's exciting. It's wonderful to have those great victories. But we need to be reminded is that it is God's victory that he has done. See, the third thing in renewing God's covenant, it was to remove their reproach. Hmm. You find this in Joshua 5, 9, and the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you, so the place has been called Gilgal to this day. The word Gilgal is similar to a Hebrew word, gala, which means to roll. But what was the reproach that was removed? Some believe that it may have been because they were slaves in Egypt. And he took them out of Egypt. But God took them out of Egypt. And in that, well, first of all, he, he put them there before, even before that. He led them to Egypt. And there is, is how could we blame them and because Pharaoh had a change of mind and put them into slavery. We can't blame them for what someone else has done. Then, then there is the reference of the nation that they became the worshipers of idols in Egypt. And, but that was the previous generation. They all died off. I think that that reproach of Egypt referred to the, the um, ridicule that the enemy was giving to Israel because what they did in Kedesh Barnea. Look, because of your disobedience, you you, God put you in the desert and killed off all that generation. Look, look what God did. And it was a reproach upon them of the failure. It was a reproach upon them of, of the sin that was there. But now, God 
has removed that reproach when he opened up that Jordan River and he brought them through that land. And he's now saying, I want to establish this covenant relationship that you once had. Now, here's the thing that, that blows my mind, though, because, you see, in, in bringing that covenant relationship, renewing it, when they were in that desert for 40 years, God suspended that covenant relationship. That's why they didn't have to circumcise all the newborn male children. That's why then even they did not even have that time of each year remembering the Passover because, well, they couldn't because they were not circumcised. And yet, out of their disobedience, there was a pillar of fire at night, a cloud to follow by the day, representing the presence of God was still there. There was that manna that was being given to them every day. And when they were thirsty, he says, hit the rock. And there was that cistern. They hit that rock and it broke open and all this water was there for them. Even, I'm, I'm stunned. And, and I don't want you to take this as, well. wow, wow, that's pretty cool. I could walk in obedience and still be blessed with God. <laughs> they died in the desert, my friend. God was there with them, but they didn't make it through. But God, in the midst of that time, for everyone else, that provisions was still there. You see, he provides, and renewing that covenant relationship, it is a picture of, of what he is doing in that spiritual truth. Because often is that the Old Testament events are often illustrations of the New Testament doctrine. The Israelites, they exited from Egypt, pictures of sinners' deliverance from the slavery of sin through faith in Jesus Christ. Is Israel's crossing of the Jordan picture is them coming through that water. It's, it's coming through that water signifying as that cleansing of what God is able to do. We have this water thing, and, and I'm praying that in the very near future that we will be able to start our water baptisms again. And, and as we do that, maybe I even suggest that some of you are thinking, wow. Uh, there was a lot that has come through. God has taught me so much in 2020 and now entering in 2021 is that I think I want to renew that covenant relationship with God and that water is that now we look at that we were buried, we died, we were buried in that water and rose up. And that signifying is that he, as that substitution in our lives, gives us that liberty and that freedom in our lives. It is that identification that I'm able to have with him that is so powerful. It is, well, through that water of the Jordan. Listen to this. It's out of Colossians 2. 11 and 12. 
In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Our oh, church. I, th I think that in 2020, it felt like 40 years. We, we, were, we went through the desert. We're coming now that we are in 2021. <laughs> January, February, March already. You know, a quarter of this year is already gone. I mean, good night. You know, but God is saying, I brought you through. And in that covenant relationship that I want to have with you, there's a whole lot of things that were put on hold. There's, there's a whole lot of things that we were not able to do as we once did. There was a time that we were not even permitted because of the proclamation of the governor, that we could even meet together as, as a church because there would be more than 10 people. And we met together online. But, but even in the midst of that, God provided. In the midst of that, we had here that that Anthony had his brother with him visiting him, and he was stuck here in Phoenix, and he lived in Dallas. Anthony's brother, Christian, just graduated from Southwestern with a degree in media. Then we had this amazing young woman who came home from Jerusalem a few months before that and that she was looking for work and we gave her a job to be a part of our media team which we never had. In the desert, God provided. We had, we had expenses that were enormous for us because it cost us thousands of dollars just to get the church prepared so that when it does open up, that everything is, well, from the walls down was clean. And then we had to buy all this new equipment which we didn't have. And then God brings a man past the church to talk with me and out of nowhere, he says, what do you need? Let me tell you what we're doing. He went to his vehicle, came out, had a check, and wrote, that's a $20,000 check. You see, even when we were in the desert, God was providing. We've come through that. We're about to enter into a promised land. And right now it feels like, well, we're going through this procedure 
that is very uncomfortable. I hate these things. And amen. And, and for me, as it is, I put it on my face, then I get it all caught here, and I'm trying to get it all off because, well, it's stuck and it's hanging. I'm going to see your beautiful faces and smiles. I don't like the idea that, that we have to socially distant. But we're entering. We're entering. God wants to do something. He's saying, I'm preparing you. It has been uncomfortable. It felt like a surgical procedure that you were going through. But I have something in store for you. Because there's some great victories that you're going to be walking through in the days to come. Church, with, with all my heart, with everything within me, I could feel that tsunami of a shaking underneath that water. And God is says, I'm about to erupt in these latter days. He said there will be a revival, a move of God unparalleled. I'm ready for that unparalleled move of God. But I want you to understand is that when the Israelites came through that and when they were obedient to do what was necessary to restoring that, that covenant relationship, they were still in the enemy's territory. It doesn't mean that now that God is doing a shaking and that he has something in which he wants to do in our lives and in the work of the kingdom like never experienced before. But he's saying, I'm reminding you that you need to depend upon me because we are in the enemy's territory. And the enemy is going to be doing everything he can because the enemy does not know the timetable of God. And he doesn't even know the mind of God. He knows about God because he knows the word of God. It is written. He's able to read it. He's able to see what's there. But he does not know what God's people could do in ways that, well, maybe he does because he's doing everything he can to shake everything up. But he's about to lose a battle. And I want us, as we wake up every morning, I want the enemy of this world, I want their hearts to melt in fear because the body of Christ has risen up. The body of Christ is moving forward. The body of Christ is walking in obedience. And even in, when he says, wait, I want you to prepare yourself. And it's going to be difficult it could even be very painful. But I want you to trust of what I am going to do in your life. And when we do that, there's victory. There's victory. Because you see, God's word, this word is relevant today as it was in the days of Joshua. 
That was not just an old-time story that he wants us to read and go night-night. He's saying, I've done it then, I could do it again. And he's done it again, and he's done it again, and he's done it again. This is the season that he has. So this first thing that he wants to remind us of in preparing us is renewing and restoring a covenant relationship. I'm all bored. Let it be, Lord. Let it be.